morning, family, and welcome to another day of online uh, class or unlo- online service. And uh, we're on lockdown day 144 of, uh, um, uh, I think it's level 3. We'll be going to level 2 tomorrow on Monday, the 17th of August. But welcome to the next part of our uh, discipleship course. We are busy with lesson uh, 7 titled Behave Like a Christian, and um, we the topic of our, our assignment today is what should my attitude be toward my family and my employer? And um, now I said this last week that we're going to be doing this in about around about two parts or so, and um, so let's get on to this. Um, since the Bible... When we read the Word of God, we know that this Word is the final authority in everything we'll ever encounter in life. We know it is our instructional manual, I mean the acronym that we read, that we know that most of you were taught in Sunday school, B-I-B-L-E is basic instruction before leaving earth. And it is a very basic instruction because it basically is to prepare us for our presence in heaven. How we live out our life on earth is how we're going to live out our life in heaven. I mean, if you cannot stand your neighbor, then how on earth are you going to be standing next to the same neighbor that you can't stand in heaven and praising the Lord with any uh, reservations. So, since the Bible is the final authority in everything we ever encounter in life, it is no surprise that it has a great deal to say about how we are to conduct ourselves, especially regarding our job. You know, we, we think that uh, how we and who we are is only at church on a Sunday morning. We get up, we put on our masks, and we put on our, our uh, uh, creams, and we put on all how we are going to look like. We need to look pretty, we need to look presentable, we need to look like the star. And then we get to the church, and we walk in, and everything is hunky-dory, there's no problems, no issues. And uh, it seems as if you're living a model life as to how a Christian should live. And then when you walk out of that door, and you go home... You're a different person. You take off that mask and you take off all your jewelry, you take off all your fancy clothes and all the things that makes you look so good. And what happens is that suddenly, even your fancy words, when I, when I speak about fancy, I'm not, I'm not meaning anything bad about it. I'm just saying that you, it's, a, it's, it's an act. We all know how to play the part of being a Christian in a church. We know all about how to, what words to say, and at times we put up our hands, at the times when we clap our hands, at the times we put our down our hands, and the times when we know exactly when to say amen, hallelujah, glory to God, and all that. But what happens is that when we get home, the real you comes out. Cursing and bad, filthy language comes out of your lips. Beating up the the wife, or the wife beating up the husband, it can happen. 
Look in the cupboards, you'll find that that frying pan with a lot of dents that matches the husband's head. <laughs> Swearing and cursing and that Bible that looks so clean is now back on the shelf to gather dust for another week. And when we get into our cars on Monday morning and we drive to work, and the attitudes we display and road rage on the way to work. And when we get to work and how we can criticize our bosses, how we can swear about our colleagues, and how we can slander each and every person. Your testimony, your advertisement of what a Christian should be is nullified. The Bible says that we need to constantly walk in grace. We need to constantly walk in the fullness of His grace. We constantly walk in the Spirit. How can we do that if we are putting up an act? Remember I read from Romans chapter 12 where it says that about acting. It says that it is a nupokritos. In other words, it's hupokritos. Hypocrite. Acting. Actors who play by the script but means nothing to them. It's not from their heart. It's not who they are. In the Greek, are referred to as hypocrites. It's referred to as hypocrites as we bring it into English. Someone who says something that they say that is what they're feeling, but don't do it. Or someone who does it and does not, not uh, uh, do it according to what they say. You know, the word is basically not living out what you preach. So, <clears throat> we, need to, we spend about nearly most of our lives as an adult on the job. And it's essential to our growth to learn how the Lord Jesus Christ would have us to look at this area of, and this is the, the, the main word, that's why it's bold, it's in bold, responsibility. Responsibility. It is our responsibility if we intend to be an effective servant of God. We must do so with all our lives and not just a small portion of it. What should my attitude be toward my job and my employer? All, not some, not a little, not special set-apart people, you know, that's uh, the elect. No, all saved people are called to full-time ministry, full-time Christian ministry. It doesn't mean that you say, you know, I, that's not me, you know, that person is called. I don't see it in myself. If you're a Christian, you're part of the ministry. If you're a Christian, you are in full-time Christian service. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, says, I therefore, and this is Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, besiege you, I beg you, I implore you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. <coughs> Paul was not writing to uh, the pastor. He was not writing to the apostles. He was not writing to uh, um, uh, special people. No, he was writing to the Ephesians. He was writing to the church. 
the entire church saying, I beg you to walk worthy of a calling with which you were called. It is our vocation to serve Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that every saved person is the integral part of the body of Christ. Every saved person. You're not the least. You're not the most. You are serving in a capacity that God has placed you in. And that each member's contribution is important. Maybe I should read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 27 in its entirety. Because yeah, Paul is, is writing to the Corinthian church and he is speaking about unity and diversity in one body. Yes, we are united as one. We are together as one body. But there are so many different ministries in the body. There are so many diversities in the body that you are not really doing the same thing. But it's to one goal and that's to serve Jesus Christ. Each member's contribution is important because Paul writes this to the Corinthian church for as the body from verse 12 is one and has many members but all the body all the members of that one body be many or one body so also is Christ for it is by one spirit we are all baptized in one, in one body oh my lord whether you're a Jew whether you're a Greek whether you're a slave or free remember I read this last week and the weeks before and have all been made to drink into one spirit for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. If you should be sitting in the seat and say, well, I'm just a pure woman. I'm just a person that's here. I don't think I have anything to give to the ministry. You are mistaken. Everyone has a role to play. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone has a position in the body of Christ. If the ear had to say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body. It is therefore, is it therefore not of the body? You're still part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them. See, it's not you set yourself, it's God sets you. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye shall say to the hand, I have... Sorry. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body, which seem to be the weaker, are necessary. Remember the example I spoke about some time ago, about the hand. We have a thumb. We have the index finger. We have our middle finger. We have a ring finger. And we have a pinky. And the thing is, is that if you were given a choice, if you had to remove a finger, which finger would you take? Would you remove from your hand? And some people will say, well, the thing is that I think the least important finger of this hand is my pinky. It's the smallest. And it seems to be the weakest. So if I remove it, 
then I don't, I, I don't need it. I can do away with it. Brothers and sisters, you remove the pinky, you lose about 50% of your strength of your hand. It might be the weakest. It might be the smallest. It might be the least uh, considered part of your body, uh, of your hand. But if you remove it, your hand strength is reduced by 50%. Every part of your body has a role to play. Let's read verse 22 again. Much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less, less horrible are those we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism, no, no split, no breaking apart in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. The person who sweeps the church is essential to the church. You come there on a Sunday morning, Everything looks presentable. Everything, look, everything looks clean. When you walk in, there's no dust on the floor, no leaves, no dirt. That place where your child most probably spilt her cool drink when you come back there on a Sunday, it's cleaned up. It's done. Doesn't look, there's no evidence that something had, that there was a mishap. These are the people we never consider. These are the people we never think of. We take it for granted. But they are the essential part of the church. Imagine, imagine if that person decides for the entire week, I'm not going to clean. What? <laughs> no one honors me for this job. I work my butt off. I, I, I work to the bone to clean up and they just dirty and they just throw down their chips and they throw down this. Oh, you know what? Because they're worried someone clean it up. You know what? This week, I'm not going to clean. Let's see. And on Sunday morning, you walk in. Oh, you're aghast. Hey, what happened? Why is the church so dirty? We, we cannot worship in a mess. We go worship in, in a in a in a uh, a place where there's ants that's, that has come up from somewhere, and because of chips that was dropped in, suddenly your church is plagued with ants. Then all of a sudden, there's an outcry. Where's this person who's supposed to clean? Oh, now you're starting to notice that someone was cleaning up. See, we never know. How much dependable we are on people until they're not there anymore. And the, and the Bible says we need to give honor to the least. Those that you consider as someone that does not give anything, the Lord says, I'll honor him more. Remember the story between the... the um, the Pharisee who gave thousands and thousands of rands into the offering. And then the woman who came and she had nothing. 
that that few cents that she had just the last bit of their finances says lord you know you know my you know my need you know that that i have nothing but i still honor you with what i have and jesus was standing there watching he says she gave the most she gave the most because not only because what she gave was because of how she gave it. She was humble before the Lord. And we need to care for one another. And in verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And we continue from, from reading from 1 Corinthians, we jump over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. And Paul says here, and he himself, talking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, gave some to be a prophet. See, not all people can be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, because the Lord gives only some to each. He says, why does he give it? Uh, give some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers, because it's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and that's what's happening in today's world. Is that there are new doctrines coming out. They are carried about with every one of doctrine. What happens is that people say, you know what? Yes, we are the word of God. We are teaching the word of God. But what happens is that they divert from the truth. And then they say, you know, the, the opinion, the, the um, way this, this, doctor, this word was written was for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. And therefore they start to teach new doctrines. And what happens is that we get carried away by such doctrines. And then by the trickery of men. And the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That's a common theme we have read in most of the, the sermons we have gone through in the past few weeks. The Romans 12 keeps on coming up. Is that we need to have love. We need to not only have a just filial or a, 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 a stroge or eros, but we need to have agape love, undivided, unreserved love. C, the letter C, and the, the topic of all saved people are called to full-time Christian service. Our service for God is to be at all times. Not just when we go to church. As my introduction had uh, uh, placed it, is that we come to church acting out our ministry, pretending who we are. 
Thinking that we can bluff the people around us. But remember what the word of God says is that what you do in darkness will be brought out into the light. And 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 says this, But sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Amen. Amen. Remember I said some time ago, it's not only the words that we speak, but it's how we act out our ministry. It's how we live our lives. It's how we walk with Christ. We will walk. People look at us and say, you know, there's something different about you. There is something different about you. And also how you speak. When you speak, how do you speak? Is the is uh, uh, fulfillment in your language? Or is there that, that sense of joy, the sense of hope? This past week, my wife went to go and get some of her makeup done. You know, she doesn't often get herself treated like this, but she's so much desired. Something like this that we said, you know what, let's go. And she got in contact with this one lady, this petition, I think you you can call it. And uh, so we arrived there. The appointment was for Friday and for three o'clock. We arrived there and uh, this woman was a big lady. When I say big, I'm talking about like tall and stature. And, um, you know, the thing is that we all had our masks on. So, you know, most of your facial expression is, is hidden away. I mean, we living in a world where that your facial expressions is very much part of your body language. So she invited us in and we, we sat down and, uh, you know, my wife got ready to, to lie down so the lady can start uh, with her creams and things like that. The lady straight away asked us, are you born again Christians? <laughs> we were like, uh, what? And we said, yeah, we, we are, we are uh, born again Christians. We are part of the full gospel church. She said, I knew it because I had that feeling, I had that, that sense when I when I met you that I, I could sense. Because I'm a born again Christian as well. I could sense that there was that, that connection of the, the spirit. See, we didn't have to go and preach Christ. Because our lives speak louder. And it opens up doors when people start to ask us questions, where they start to say, you know what, why are you like this? It is unusual. Because I need this person, I need that person, I have so many people coming into uh, uh, for my service, but when suddenly I see someone walk in, I know there's something different about you. I know the, that, and, and the thing is that this, because I am saved, I know exactly what it is. See, be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you. 
Why do you why do you serve God? Why are you like this? Why are you like that? And what do you do? You give defense. What it means by defense, it doesn't mean defense, oh, you know what, I'm defended. No, 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 no. It means that that's the time, the opportunity for you to preach Christ. This is an opportunity for you. And you do it with meekness and fear. The fear of the Lord. And with meekness. Meekness does not mean with scared, being scared. No, meekness being humble. Meekness is being that, you know, I have Christ in my heart. And the person starts to attack you. Well, then that's it. It does not change who you are. It does not change your testimony. It does not change your, your standing in Christ. Your life in Christ. Your... Mm, Paul also wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 2. He says, Timothy, you got to preach the word. You got to be ready in season and out of season. There'll be times when you are ready and they say, you know what, my brother? We need you to come and preach a sermon and you are ready for it and you go stand up and you preach. I remember I had a, a lecturer when I was in Bible college by the name of Pastor James Sicola. And I remember one of the things that he said was this famous scripture, be ready in season, be ready out of season because you'll be coming to preach at the church, you'll be ready, you'll be preaching, yes, you are on fire, you are ready to preach, but there will be times when you'll be sitting in the pew waiting for the pastor to arrive and he does not come because there might have been an, uh, an accident on the road or something might have happened that prevented him from arriving and then they come up to you and say, my pastor, would you be able to preach and give us a word because we don't have a pastor to come and preach because he is unavailable and what do you do? That's out of season. You're going to stand there and say, I'm sorry, but I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. Yes, Paul telling Timothy, it doesn't matter whether you're prepared or not prepared. Because it's not you that's going to be preaching the sermon. It is a spirit that's going to be preaching the sermon. And that's why many times pastors bring and, and, and they have read upon the word. You see, what happens is this, that being reading in season and out of season is because you have the word in you. Jesus didn't go and sit around and say, okay, now I need to prepare for the next sermon. No. Many times you'll be preaching and then there'll be an interruption. A diversion from the past that he is talking. When suddenly we have a, a lawyer stands up and say, uh, Rabbi, I know that you know all things and everything and so forth and so forth. And now the thing is this is this. Uh, um, and he starts to, to uh, say, well, what is the important uh, commandment of the Bible? And then Jesus was diverted from his sermon. He went over to the Good Samaritan. Which became such an integral part of the gospel as well as the integral part of chaplaincy. Which became one of the pillars of chaplaincy. <clears throat> you see, many times we think that because we should be prepared, and we're prepared physically, 
by spending the time with the word that we can preach. But there will be times when someone will come up to you and say, I need you to come and preach a word and you're not prepared. That's when the spirit takes over. That's when the Lord is preparing you. And yet now is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, you need to preach the word. You need to be ready. Whether you're in season or whether you're out of season, doesn't matter. But you need to be constantly ready, continuously. You need to convince. You need to rebuke, exhort, and with all long-suffering and teaching. And number two, the primary purpose of our job is this, is to support our ministry. Of course, our first ministry is our family. Sorry, it seems like I missed that scripture. But if we can just look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. And the reason is thus. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow. Oh, wow. Yes, Paul now giving an outline to, um, to, to uh, Timothy. and saying, Timothy, my brother, in ministry, you can minister and minister and preach, but you have to first... Consider your own family. You need to provide for your own family. Especially for all your household. If you do not do that, you have denied the faith as worse than an unbeliever. And I think this one is chapter 3, verse 5. Let's go there quickly. Chapter 3, verse 5 reads thus. For if any man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Ho, ho, ho. See, this is what... Paul was trying to say is that your ministry starts at home. It starts there. You first start from your house and you minister to your family members. And from there you go to church. If you cannot minister to your own house, you cannot minister to a church. So you have to start first at home and be a good steward. The next one is Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. Where our second ministry is our church family. Therefore, verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of, who are of the household of faith. And then our third ministry is to reach the lost in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20. Now then, we as ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Praise the Lord. We are all ambassadors. So, what should my attitude be towards my job? A, we should view our job as a ministry opportunity, not just a job. Not to say, you know, I have to go to the job and I have to work and all. Remember, your attitude is your ministry. Your attitude shows people when sometimes the boss will say, you know what, I want to tell you, I want to give you something that's very bad. No one wants it. I want you to do it. And when you do it, smiles, with acceptance, 
Because it's the Lord who will strengthen you. The Lord who will give you wisdom. The Lord who will give you grace. The Lord will bless your hands when you work with it without any grumbling. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm. Not just a job, it's a ministry opportunity. For most Christians, our fellow workers are the greatest exposure we have to unsaved people. If you work in a place where it's full of unsaved people, my, my brothers and my sisters, that is your, your ground for ministry. If you say, I, I can't preach to them, I can't tell them that uh, about Christ, I'm so afraid. Well, if you're so afraid, live Christ. Walk in the Spirit that they will ask you, how is it possible? We saw the boss give you a job, and when he gives that job to people, oh, they leave work They because he doesn't like you. He'll give you the worst job to break your spirit. But you do it with smiling. You do it with, 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 with joy. You do it with peace. And wow, you did a good job of it. Oh, that's the time we say, well, I have Christ in me. And what I do, I do for Christ. What I do, the Christ... Uh, Jesus blesses what my hand touches. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. He says this, You are the light of the world. You are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket to hide it away and be like Peter when he was asked the question, Do you know this man? No, I don't know him. He denied Christ three times. He was hiding his light under a basket. And Jesus says that you won't do that. You put it on a lampstand. Why? Because on a lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house so they can see. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Because why? Because the good works you do is not for your own glory. It's for the glory of Christ. Because when they ask you, how can you say, because it's Christ who lives in me. It's because I am serving the living God. Because I'm born again, praise God. I'm blood washed. Spirit filled. It's not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Our life may be the only true witness of the Lord Jesus Christ that they'll ever see. Because we are the light who are representing Jesus Christ. Amen. It's our lives that should reflect the Bible. And we read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, where it says that you are our epistle. You are our scripture that is written in our hearts. It is known and read by all men. Behave like Christians. Your life should be the word of God. Portrayed in action. And it can only be portrayed in action if you Spend the time in reading the Word. 
Spend the time in feeding your soul. We will have a much greater influence on those we spend the most time with. Although total strangers are surely an opportunity for witness. People that you never met before, but they are watching you. Those who can see that there is a consistent, and that's, and that's the key word, consistent testimony of a Christian's life. And they will say, you know what? We see that you are living your life consistently as a Christian. It's not like on a Sunday morning that you are a Christian and in Monday to, to Saturday you are the devil's advocate. No. We see there's something different about you. There is a consistent testimony of your life and that makes it easier to win us. And this is where we're going to end today. I'm sorry, it's a bit shorter. I thought today this is the good place where I can end off because if I go into the next part, number five, what attitude should I have towards my supervisors and the company I work for? We're going to spend a lot, lot more longer time than is going to go past our hour. But I want you to consider this. Think about this. What is your attitude? Do you say that you're a Christian, but you don't act like it? Do you say that you're a Christian, but the word you speak has nothing to do with the word of God? You say that you're a Christian, but you have hate in your heart. You have bitterness. You say that you're a Christian, but there is strife in your life and no peace. If you said yes to most of these things and more, then it's times that you need to reconsider of realigning yourself. Many years ago, I listened to a very good sermon that was preached by Tim Story. And he spoke about the satellite. That many times our satellite is off focus and we don't get a clear picture, a clear signal of what we are supposed to do. We need to refocus, we need to realign, we need to adjust our satellite, our dish again, and we're back on point. And the picture starts to come back in sharp focus. You must probably be thinking about that. I am a nobody in church. I don't consider myself as one who can minister or one who can who can preach or one who can teach or one who can. It doesn't mean that if you cannot preach. I mean, I never consider myself as a preacher. No. I still don't consider myself as a preacher. But the Lord will give you the ability. He'll give you the, the words to speak. He'll give you the things that you need to say. Many times it's not a matter of speaking, but it's a matter of hands. 
of doing hand service, reaching out, touching people, giving them comfort. A hug here and a hug there speaks louder, more words than your words of comfort could ever do. A kind word, just an ear to listen, because many times people don't have anyone to listen and therefore they have these thoughts in their minds that are trapped into a cage with no outward, no outlet. And what happens is that you are there to lend an ear and say, just speak, just speak. I will say nothing, I will judge nothing, I'm just here for you. And many times when they start to open the mouths and the, the, the bitterness, the, 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 the pain starts to be spoken. And as they start to speak and they feel the burden starts to roll off. Because why? They send all this tension they've had in their hearts. The tension they've, they've gripped so long onto is now being released. And many a, a solution has been given by just speaking out what needs to be said and they've been able to solve their own problems <laughs> many times when people were speaking as they start saying these things and then suddenly they say you know what because now I'm saying it and hearing it I suddenly realize what my answer is <laughs> you didn't do anything it's just your presence. It's just lending an ear, being a friend, being being something, a someone that they can hold on to, to share their troubled thoughts, their pain. And this ministry can also go into your workplace. You don't take what has been said to you and preach it again as a sermon by someone else or even uh, 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 um, go and use it as gossip material because no, that's not who we are. That's one of the sins that we need to avoid is gossiping and slandering. I am a Christian. Behave like a Christian. And that goes with your attitude as well. So as we close in prayer, I hope that these thoughts will be thoughts that you can ponder on, consider, take an overview of your life and if there are things that need to be changed, give it to the Lord. Speak to Him. Don't, don't speak in your mind. Don't, don't speak it silently. Go into your secret place. I read an article not so long ago, this past week, where this person was saying, was talking about the secret place. And he says, the secret place is a little place that is prepared for you in the throne room of God. It's a special place where there's no one else but you and the Lord. Where the cherubim, the wings are overshadowing the Lord. In the secret place, the wings cover you as well. Isn't that a great imagery? That when you go into your prayer room, when you go into your secret place and you come before the Lord, that your spirit has entered into the throne room and he says, my child, come here. 
Come here by my, my feet. Come and kneel here. Let my angels shadow your, shadow us with their wings. And the wings are massive. They cover everything. Let them cover us and share with me, speak to me about what's on your heart. It's just you and me. So go before the Lord. Speak to him. The Lord will not gossip. The Lord will not share your pain with someone else. What is between you and the Lord is private. Speak to him. Let him give you peace. Let him give you grace and mercy. Let him take that burden that you be carrying by yourself. And let him shoulder it for you. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence. And we thank you, Lord, for this time that we can have with you. This opportunity that we can come before your throne. That we can bow before you and worship you. That we can bow before you and glorify you. That we can come to the secret place, Lord. And that we can just be ourselves. Help us to get through the challenges. Of what the world puts us through. Strengthen our hearts Lord. For the tasks that you have set before us. I pray Lord Jesus. That you help us to come closer. And closer to you. I pray our Father God. That Lord all this. this uh, uh, things that are happening in the world. The, the clanging sounds. That is drowning out your voice. The, uh, help us to, to um, realign ourselves, our satellite dishes, so that our, we can get that clearer picture. We can hear the voice, the still, small voice of the Lord. Lord, the, the wool takes the time away from us. Many times we, we wake up in the morning and we start getting to the tasks and when we look again, the sun is down, it's time for preparing for sleep and we found that our time is gone. Somehow the time gets stolen from us. Help us to get back to the time where we need to get before you, Lord. Help us to adjust our attitude. Let there be an attitude adjustment. Yes, Lord. Help us to walk again in the Spirit. To step forward in grace and mercy and power. Heavenly Father, I pray for whoever is listening to this message, our Father, that you will... Overshadow them with your wings. Like a mother hen overshadows her chicks. I pray, our Father God, that you will touch them where they are. If they're going through hard times, our Father, I pray for a blessing, our Lord, for a release. For peace 
upon them. I pray for those who are sick, oh Father, that you will heal them where they are. And that your blood will cover each and every one of them. So that they will be under the blood. Totally protected. I thank you Lord for this time. And I thank you Lord that as we close. That we know that we are serving a mighty God. A great God. The Lord of hosts. The great I am, the peace, the prince of peace. The great physician. And as we close, oh Father God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you remember us when you come into your kingdom. And then each and one, each and everyone who has listened to this sermon must agree with me and say, Amen. Amen.